Welcome to Engineering Stories, a podcast presented and produced by Silver Fox and the Institution of Engineering and Technology. This week's guest is Giovanni Albanese. Giovanni is an engineering advocate and presenter at MTD CNC. He tells us about his experiences and raises thought-provoking points on how the engineering industry is perceived. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Engineering Stories. My name is Alex Michelson. I am the Head of Research and Development at Silver Fox and I have a Electronic and Electrical Engineering degree from the University of Bath. Alongside me today we've got Nicoletta. Hello Alex. Yes, my name is Nicoletta and I'm a second year student uh, on Electrical and Electronic Engineering as well at the University of Greenwich. And our special guest today is Giovanni Albanese. Giovanni, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi Alex, um, I'm Gio, or they, they call me Gio, um, and I work for MTDCNC as a presenter, technical account manager and uh, salesperson, so I've got a few few roles really. Brilliant. Pleased to meet you too, Nicoletta, by the way. <laughs> so so with those roles, what's your favourite? Um, I, th- I think the, 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 the role in general, um, I'm very fortunate, really. It's a fantastic role. I don't know if, if you guys have, have seen or heard of MTDCNC, but effectively what we do, we promote everything engineering in the UK, um, and we do this via digital marketing, going out to our clients, producing videos on their technology, um, educating um, you know, engineers on how to implement new technologies within their facilities using this new uh, technology that is available, but also educating um, students and, and the future engineers. So we produce digital content um, to educate, to break back down barriers to entry. Um, but we do podcasts as well. We do e-shots. So we're a promotional company, but in the same breath, we're promoting everything um, engineering. It's specifically for the engineering um, industry. Are MTDCNC purely a marketing company or do they manufacture or is it? Um, well, I didn't answer the last question properly, Alex, to be honest. I like, I like all of my roles within the within the organisation. Uh, to answer that question, I went off on a little bit, uh, went off on a few times. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, lo- I love every part of, of, of the, the job. Um, we, are, we are a marketing company um, in essence. However, we are heavily involved um, in the engineering sector and, and all of the, or most of the guys that work um, at MTD are, are engineers. Um, so we've got a lot of experience within the industry. Um, we didn't, you know, I never dreamt that I was going to become a, a presenter and do interviews or podcasts. I was an engineer, you know, from when I was 16 on the shop floor, working machine tools, doing my apprenticeship. So it wasn't something that um, I aspired to be. I'd kind of fell into this 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 kind of role so so you've been brought up around your engineering experiences around cnc milling then um not just milling turning and and and, and engineering in general so when when i left school i didn't really know what i wanted to be um my dad was um in manufacturing he was a sheet metal worker and um, he always says to me get a trade i wanted to be an architect 
but when I looked at how long it, it would take to, to kind of go through university as an architect, it was about eight years. And, and at the time, I thought I, want, I wanted to earn money. And so I kind of followed in my father's footsteps. Um, I got an engineering apprenticeship at a company called C.D. Atkinson Engineering, where I'd done a full apprenticeship um, as, a, as a CAD designer. Um, and the best advice I ever got from my old boss, Chris Atkinson, was that before you can ever manufacture any components, you need to learn how to make them first. Um, so I kind of, you know, from cutting off the material to putting it onto a manual lathe to a manual mill, and then progressing into the CNCs and, and um, then progressing into design, it was, a, it was a brilliant apprenticeship, really, Alex. Brilliant. Um, so you've, you've talked about CAD, and I don't think we can talk about about uh, computer-aided design without thinking about 3D printing. Um, how how do you think 3D printing is affecting CNC? Is it for the growth of it? I think that it's a, it's a big subject out there at the minute. I think that it's changed the landscape of engineering for sure as we knew it. And I think that now that 3D printing has come onto the market and additive manufacturing, um, basically, it's enabling designers to design components that were not possible in the past because components in the past were only designed um, around the capabilities and technologies that are, were available to them at mm. that time. So now that 3D printing and additive manufacturing is available and also now metal printing and lots of different metals that can be printed also, um, these and many components from the past can be re-engineered um, whether it's a, a complete design, a redesign of a component completely, or is, if it's to reduce weight. Um, there's, there's so many different elements. I don't think it'll ever take away CNC. Um, you know, I think that they'll both work in harmony together. And you get a lot of hybrid machines that I think that we'll see in the future where that you can print the material onto the bed and then and then finish machine it as well. So we're gonna, there's going to be definitely a lot of change um, within the industry and I think it's quite exciting really. Brilliant. Nicoletta? Yeah um, I was actually thinking because you mentioned you had a podcast as well how did you start start that one? Was it just to market and promote engineering um, further or just out of a hobby? Yeah it was um, it was the owner, the founder of MTD um, that, that started the podcast um, and I'm one of the hosts of the podcast so there's a few presenters that, that host the podcast um, and it was yeah I think that obviously um, our videos we started with the videos and and, and they were absolutely brilliant they, they, they did really well um, and we just thought that it's another way of um, communicating to our audience um, and and with a video the videos have got to be quite short if you like because you've got to try to remain or, or retain that retention rate and, and and kind of keep them engaged with a podcast you've got longer to to talk and you can go into more detail about a certain subject that maybe with a video wouldn't work as well um, and and the, the podcast seem to well, mm -hmm. are doing extremely well not just in the uk but globally there's a big market for podcasts for sure yeah I think I think every us being one of them, every man and their dog has set up a podcast in the last <laughs> in the last two years. But so you, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned attention spans or, or or touched on them slightly. Do you think that's part of the problem? Is a video has to capture you like that? Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that 
for, for yeah, they're different pieces of content, aren't they? I think that some some videos you would lo- watch for longer than others, but they've got to be really engaging throughout. Um, but sometimes if you're just flicking through YouTube and something grabs your attention, you might watch it for a bit, and if it's good, you you watch it to the end. Um, I think with a podcast, I think it's it's something that an individual will kind of listen to if it's a subject that they're interested in. And if there's a, say, for example, you're on a good cause, aren't you? And you've got um, a purpose with your uh, podcast, you'll start getting followers and people that are interested in, in, in what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. And then they'll they'll buy into what you're doing uh, because they're actually interested in that. And, you know, like you say, it's, it's a good point. You know, it's it, no one's got time anymore. So a podcast is a great thing to be able to do when you're going out walking or you've got a long drive or you're at the gym or you're on a play. Um, it's perfect to kind of fill that time with, with a podcast. But is, do you reckon that's part of the issue with the lack of engineers? Is people just don't have the the knowledge or do you think they don't have the attention spans to, to stick with it? Without getting too deep, of course. No, I think that it's, I mean, to, to be honest, Alex, I think there's a bigger problem than, than podcasts and videos. I think, um, you know, with podcasts and videos, you know, we, we're doing these and we're producing these to add value to, to our audience, whether that be education or, or whatever that purpose and outcome may be. But I think that, um, in my opinion, that the reason why we've got a lack of skill at skilled engineers and why you know, engineers are not coming into the industry as they should is because of perception. I think that if you look at engineering in Germany or Italy, um, for example, you know, if I had a daughter, I've got three sons, but if I had a daughter, you'd be happy to for your daughter to marry an engineer. In England, it's not the the, the same, you know, it's not the same perception. In, in, in Germany, engineers are perceived as doctors and, and people of a very high stature. Um, and I think it, it really boils down to um, education and perception. And it, it needs to start from schools. Um, you know, parents don't understand engineering because there's so many different forms of engineering, electrical engineering, mechanics, mechanical engineers, civil engineers. So, you know, my particular industry in mechanical engineering, um, parents don't understand it. And if parents don't understand the career paths that are available in in engineering, they're not going to kind of encourage their children to get in engineering if they still think it's a dirty trade. Um, so I think it's something that needs to be, we need to change from from schools. It needs to change from, from schools and we need to change the perception of engineering to make it more enticing to, to, to the younger generation and future engineers. And we need to make them aware of the career paths that are available because engineering it is at the forefront of all technology so um yeah it's really important and it's a really good question and and, it, and something needs to be done in my opinion i've heard engineers talk about this before but do you think um protecting the engineer job title would be a start and i mean that in the fact that you can have an engineer come and fix your boiler you can have an engineer come and fix your washing machine or your fridge. And so the day-to-day interactions with engineers is that and not of these specialist, educated people that, you know, we know we are. 
think that, you know, the, the people that fix the boilers and stuff like that, they're skilled people. They've got a great profession. Um, but I, I completely get your point. I think that maybe we do need to rebrand engineering um, and, and clarify the, the different sectors and make the, the different areas within engineering more appealing, um, especially for the, the, the areas within engineering that we're discussing today. Um, there's just so many great careers to be had in engineering. And, and, I, and I also, another really big point is I honestly do believe that I work with colleges and universities and, and, and the colleges from where I did my apprenticeship. There's a big problem that these young kids that want to get into engineering want to bypass the shop floor. So they want to bypass making, making product and get straight into design. Um, and again, that's another big problem because, you know, the best engineers in the world or most of the best engineers in the world have started um, on the shop floor making a product. But what they don't realize is is from starting there, um, the jobs that will be available to them, everything just opens up. Um, and, the, the, you know, there's such unlimited jobs then that are available to them, whether you go into CAD CAM, whether you go into pros process, control management as a director of a company if you get into media like we're in now um the the the, the marketing sales that the opportunities um are endless but that fundamental knowledge in engineering comes from the shop floor in, in my opinion as keen listeners of the podcast will know that i, I did a placement in nissan um as part of my degree um, and some of the best engineers i worked with weren't the people that went to university they were great don't get me wrong they knew their stuff but the people who started in the in the test center as apprentices as technicians and then progressed they were just un unbelievable university's great and me and nicoletta or nicoletta's there at the moment i've done it but i think now now looking if 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 i was really keen to get into engineering when i was 14 15 I think possibly an apprenticeship would have been the way to go. One, you don't leave with all the debt that you would have got amassed at university. And two, um, you know, you, you do come out with those skills that people need. But I, I think you're right in the sense that, um, but those, those tech, we'll call them technicians um, as a really broad term, those technicians um, aren't shown the same, I don't think, respect. And I don't know globally, but definitely in the UK, that people with a degree because they've got a degree have yeah i mean it's, it's, it sounds like you, you, yeah it's great that you've been on the sh shop floor and you've done your like, kind of you've been there as well alex and I'm, i mean I'm, I'm intrigued to find out a bit about you as well Nicola, nicoletta what what you're actually doing and what you, you your opinion uh, but yeah I, I i think that i mean i've worked with engineers in in my past role that have come straight from university um as a designer and and, and like you mentioned, they have got some great, great skills, you know, aerospace designers and, and aerospace um, people that, that, that are kind of learn different type of skills. Um, mm. and, and they are very, very um, important. But when it comes to designing that component, again, I can't stress enough, it's, it's, it's really difficult to design a component if you don't know how to make it because you'll you'll over engineer that component because you don't know that uh, that component's application 
Um, so it might look pretty and it like, might look fantastic, but if it's over-engineered and not fit for purpose, what that means is that it's more expensive to produce. Um, you know, it, it, it puts a cost on everything. So the most simple designs are the best designs, but you can't design a simple design unless you know how to what what that part does. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Nicoletta, I mean, what, what are you doing and what's your course entailed? Um, I'm doing electrical and electronic engineering. And just as you said about uh, learning skills and actually life skills into the engineering field, um, one of the main downfalls of universities that we are not being taught how to actually approach things in real world world because we are being told okay this is the most expensive the strongest material maybe but actually when you need to make a product you don't really care i mean you care about that but that's not the defining factor and most of the people who go to uni is i think because we don't really know what we want to do engineering wasn't my first choice i wanted to be a, a doctor and then a very long story, I ended up here and I didn't want to spend so many years in uni to go through a foundation year and A-levels. So I joined on engineering. So Because engineering is easy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it sounded faster, although I'm going for an MNG, which is four years. But uh, we do lack that practical things. We yeah. are being taught just in theory. Yes, this is how you link two wires and this is how it looks like. But in reality, maybe that won't work and we don't really know what to do anymore. And I think that's yes. that's one of the downfalls. I think it's a, it's a really good point that you've, you've made there. And I think that most people fall into engineering as, as silly as that <laughs> sounds. It's, it's just unbelievable the amount of people that I hear they either fall into engineering or they did it or do it as their their parents were in engineering, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm currently working or, or working with the the well the MTI, which is part of the Myra facility um, near Hinkley and Eton, and they've got 41 OEM companies working on site car manufacturers manufacturers, and they're doing all of the um, car testing on site. So it's it's one of the the biggest, I believe, in Europe. Mm. But what their educational facility is excellent, actually. So because they've got the people that are actually testing the cars on site um, and the students that are going through this MTI um, are being taught by um, people that are in industry. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a big, big point as well because, of, and I don't want to kind of be negative about any lecturers or, or teachers in, 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 in engineering or at university, but some of the lecturers and teachers have not actually done it themselves, mm. but they're teaching someone how to become an engineer when they've not actually done it themselves. And I just don't get that. <laughs> That's a very controversial point because I was talking to a friend lately and some of our lecturers are just PhD students, which is fine. But when we have a question, it's they don't have the answer necessarily. They're just trying the same way we do. Today I actually had the lab with an oscilloscope and oh my God, the way <laughs> I had to restart it every time and the lecturers and it wasn't very helpful, but hey. So the blind leading the blind. <laughs> yeah, I was disconnecting the cable and I still had the voltage reading and nobody knew why. No. And yeah. But yeah, I think I think that's a really good point actually, Giovanni, um, is that a lot of the people, I mean, I had some some brilliant lecturers at university and some, and I'm sure, I'm sure everyone does in every degree. Yeah. And some, and some not so brilliant lecturers. And it wasn't because they were 
I don't know, some of them were, were not nice people. But it but it had nothing to do with, with them. But they they're not they just happened to be good at engineering. And so they thought, oh, I'll go and do a PhD and then I'll become a lecturer and I'll stay in academia. But I found a lot of it. And and this was something that from like reading autobiographies and, and biographies of sports people is that the best teachers are the ones that didn't necessarily get it the first time round. So if you, I don't know, if you're looking for a football coach, it, he won't necessarily be the best footballer because the best footballer probably, you know, woke up at the age of four, kicked a football and could do it from day one. So they didn't actually have to learn how to do it. Whereas, whereas the best coaches you'll find are probably the ones who, you know, woke up every day at 4am to get in that extra hour or two's practice. Yeah, I mean, that's dedication, isn't it? I think that that's, that's, that's dedication. And some people have to work harder to achieve their goals than others. Some, some kind of people just, are very fortunate and uh, and, uh, and are naturally uh, gifted uh, in, in lots of different uh, professions. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, when I when I spoke to some of the the, the colleges and, and going back to that, I think it's it is a good point. Um, if, if you if you've not you know if you've not actually done it yourself and you're not passionate, dedicated, um, not got the experience or the industry experience. How can you be expected to pass that on to students and how can you entice them or encourage them to get into engineering or make them aware of all of the different career paths that are available to them if they don't know themselves? Um, and that's the point, really. I think that the, it, it, the colleges that I speak to, these guys are great. They're great guys, but they've not actually worked in the industry. They might have come straight from the army and got into and, and become a lecturer. And there's another problem that a lot of the colleges and, and universities can't afford to get the people from industry to teach the, the students um, because the, 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 the people that are in industry are on quite, if they've got good jobs, they're on quite good money. But that's why going back to that MTI example and the, the Myra, that's a perfect example because the, the students are actually tapping into the knowledge of the people that are in industry that are actually on site working. So they're getting a real life uh, experience of what's actually going on with skills that will lend themselves for when they leave as well. Silver Fox proudly supports engineers with all their cable, wire and pipe labelling requirements. The Fox in a Box thermal printer has the ability to print a whole range of thermal labels with one software, one printer and one ribbon saving loads of time for the engineers out there in the field. For more information, contact sales at silverfox.co.uk or call on plus 44-01707-373727. You've mentioned pay, so I'm going to mention it. Do you think that's that's also a problem? I've got friends from my course who have gone abroad working as engineers and they're paid so much more than engineers in the UK. And I don't know about the rest of Europe, but do you think that's part? I mean, I know lots of engineers who have done an engineering degree, um, done a master's, so obviously used that resource, but then gone into banking or data engineering. And there's no, there's no harm. I did data engineering for a bit. There's no harm in that. But do you think that's part of the problem? Is we're losing engineers to those fields? Mm, uh, yes and no. I, th I think I think that 
I, th I think that's why students, some students are, tr are bypassing the shop floor because you've got to kind of earn your stripes in engineering a little bit. And when you first join an engineering company, they're not going to pay you the big books straight away until you're experienced and, uh, um, and you've learned your trade properly. Um, so you, you, you've got to accept that, that you're not going to be on the, the good money straight away. However, um, some of the people that engineering engineers engineering companies employ do take advantage of apprentices and pay them really crap money and just keep them on as a, a button pusher or as a as an operator and they've not got no career path to to, to move into or to grow. Um, but if if these problems got resolved. When you did become a skilled engineer from the shop floor um, and then you are programming or, or designing or selling, or, you know, going to work for OEM companies, selling machine tools as an example or marketing, then I believe that the money is, is absolutely excellent. I think as a skilled engineer in the UK, you, it, it, it is a very well paid job, but I think that there's, there's, engineering companies can't take advantage of of apprentices and, and unfortunately some still do um, and I think that also in the same breath if you're a student and you're looking to get into engineer, engineering you've got to accept that the first few years you're not going to be automatically be on fantastic money but you know whilst you're learning your trade um, you've got to, to remember that once you, you're skilled you will be on, on, on good money in comparison to, to different industries. Let's just take it back to you, Giovanni. We've we've discussed, we've put the world to rights, um, and uh, and now we're we're running with it. But you've got three kids. I, d I don't know how old they are, but have they shown any any interest in in engineering? Not yet, not yet. So um, my oldest is seven, my, my my middle one is five, and and the youngest one is one. So uh, not yet, but. Um, uh, going back to kind of teaching engineering uh, to to kids at school, this is a really good point. So my boys are all interested in cars and trains and aeroplanes and, and making things and Lego and, and all that kind of stuff that, you know, is, is engineering in essence. So what happens is they go through the school process and for some reason when they leave school, they forget about all that. So something is going wrong in school they should be that that kind of intuitiveness um, and 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 the way in which they want to make things should be nurtured from kids even of my age. So when they do get into secondary school and and looking for maybe jobs uh, for when they leave school or or whatever the case may be, that they've they again they they know what engineering is and what it entails. So yeah, I think that. As boys and girls, uh, sorry, Nicoletta, I'm just referring to my <laughs> boys. You know that we're intuitive when when we're younger. We want to know how things work and how things are made. But whatever happens at school, it kind of seems to fizzle out of them because I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I can't really give you a, an assessment on that because I don't really know what goes on at school. But I don't know how many classes there are on on engineering or or manufacturing or electrical engineering at school nowadays. I know when I was at school, there were hardly any that I can remember. Nicoletta, have you got any questions? Would you encourage your kids to go on to engineering to pursue that path? 
Um, I'd encourage my kids to be whatever they want to be, whether that be an engineer or or, or whatever they want to be. I, I want them to follow whatever dreams that they have. Um, but if they were to be an engineer, I'd be very proud of them and I'd encourage them certainly, yeah. You have mentioned that parents have a, percep- uh, a perception of engineering as dirty. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get in trouble uh, from that that comment. So apologies to all parents that don't think that. But basically, uh, in, in a lot of engineering workshops in the past, and, and even from when I done my apprenticeship, um, you know, from 28 years ago, you know, the, 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 the engineering shop floor was very oily. Um, you know, you used to be working on manual laves and bits of swarf, the metal, hot metal used to be hitting you in the face and um, the coolant, you'd smell of oily coolant when you get home and um, you'd have your overalls on. And so, you know, you, it, it, it wasn't kind of, in, in a way, it was kind of a dirty industry in regards to you have to get your hands dirty, Nicoletta. Uh, but, but again, now, even that, you know, even that's changed nowadays. It's not like that now. You go to some of the Formula One teams in the UK um, and you could eat your dinner off the floor. It's like going into the most, you know, all of the, the CNC machines are encapsulated. So all of the the coolant stays within the machine. The floors are, are immaculate. And it's a completely different industry to what it was when I, when I done my apprenticeship. But I don't, and I'm not speaking for all parents. I'm just saying that I'm sure that there's a lot of parents that have still got that, that thought in their head because when you watch BBC News or you watch the Prime Minister going into a engineering shop, they never go into one of the state-of-the-art engineering shops. It's always an old, oily, dark, dingy. And I'm thinking to myself, what are they doing? They need to be promoting engineering to make it sexy and make it appealing, <laughs> and, and they just don't seem to be doing that, unfortunately. Funnily enough, I think that's what my generation also sees. And then when we get to uni, we don't see that. And that's a bit disheartening. Yeah. Even with our labs, everything is clean and it should be clean with that respect, but it's not as hands-on. Most of my colleagues are sort of complaining, saying we don't get to do so much practical. We are engineers and we are not actually using our hands too much. Everything is, okay, we have this software, we can sort this with this software and then we have uh, um, SolidWorks and MATLABs and Proteus. So we don't really need to link any wires. We can just simulate that. And that's a bit like, yeah, it's, really. Yeah, it's, it's like um, playing football on a computer exactly, game and, and then yeah, saying you're a yeah. great footballer. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's just, it's just um, I think that as well, especially in mechanical engineering, where with, 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 um, when you start an apprenticeship in the mechanical engineering, you go on conventional machine tools, that's probably the very best place to, to start because um, you've got to, figure out your feeds, your speeds, and you've got to figure out what kind of materials, what speeds you cut different materials at, if the tool's vibrating, you know, is, is the tool worn? So you, you get learning that you can't learn theoretically from a book. You can only learn a lot of this stuff from experience. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that is a massive problem with universities. Theory is excellent. And, and, you know, there's there's some really clever people out there that can do some fantastic equations and work out some fantastic, you know, but the practical experience is priceless. Um, 
and just as important. And I think if you were to be an engineer, I think the combination of the two would make the perfect engineer uh, because you need to start you know, you need to start at the beginning. You know, you're bypassing the biggest part of your profession yeah. uh, by thinking that you know it already. And and by that, you'll have a lot of blind spots. Um, and, you know... You know them on paper, but not in practical, when you actually need to link to wires. You know how to draw the diagram, but you don't know how to put that yeah. circuit together. I think it's good to know everything. Yeah. It gives you a, a broader understanding of your profession. Yeah, but being taught so much theory, even from the start, and then we get to our final years. Um, for example, I'm not doing um, an internship, although Alex tried to make me apply for one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we get to our final years and we just look so puzzled. I see my colleagues and it's... I hope we won't be a pandemic generation with online degrees, let's say. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, what, what do you want to do when you leave? I'm not entirely sure. I'm still trying to figure out the modules that interest me. And so far I have analog systems, electric circuits and control and instrumentation. So I'm trying to find where I'm good at and what actually interests me and I can see a future in. I would I would strongly recommend looking up some of the, the, the large machine tool companies that are yeah. in the UK that sell machine tools um, in the UK. You've got, you've got a lot of them, albeit they're, you know, Yamazaki Mazak, uh, DMG Mori. Um, there's some fantastic job opportunities in, 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 in within companies such as them, and that's just to name but a few. Yeah, it's, it's worth worth looking into that. Thank you. Will do. I need to do my research. This year has been a lot, and it's still a lot. Yeah. But yeah, definitely need to do something. Thank you. <laughs> so, did you did your parents? I know you said your dad worked in manufacturing, but did your parents have a have a view that engineering was dirty uh no no not really no not really i think that with, with my dad because his circumstances were probably a lot different to a lot of ours because he when he came to the country he was 13 and couldn't speak english um so he went straight into work straight away um you know felt like he had a couple of years at school you know straight into a job and so um yeah, he, he, he kind of, you know, he appreciated everything that he got. He got a trade and, and security was his biggest biggest driver, really. Um, so he only told me what he knew and what he thought was best. And because he got a trade in kind of sheet metal work and engineering, he, he kind of pushed me to do the same. Um, mm. I, didn't, I didn't really ever, I never wanted to be an engineer. I didn't really know what engineering was. Like we've mentioned, it, I, I kind of fell into it in the end. Um, but I was never um, taught of the opportunities at school either because I would have probably had a different view on it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, that one is, Alex, because, it, yeah, my dad, it, it was all he knew, really, and it, it served him well, to be fair. Is is that part of it, do, we, do, do you think, that no one really knows it, what engineering is? Do you think that's that's part of it? I mean, it's so it's so broad. I, I I sit here and claim to be an engineer. Nicoletta is almost claiming to be an engineer. Giovanni, you claim to be an engineer, but we only do such a small, tiny part of it. You never stop learning in engineering, even if you've been doing it for five hundred years. You'll never stop learning because it's continuously evolving and changing all the time. And so, and and the other problem is like you just mentioned. Um, and like we 
we've alluded to during this podcast is that there's so many different elements to engineering, like like you mentioned, you know, ele- electrical engineer. Um, if someone fits the boiler, is he an engineer? Um, civil engineer, mechanical engineer, and 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 I think that maybe that needs to be addressed, and it and we need to be branded different differently to 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 kind of clarify what each kind of element is um and to make it more attractive to the the next generation of engineers so they can actually or i've got a better understanding of what an actual engineer is or what different areas of engineering that they can get into uh, because without that i think that you know it will be confusing for students without a doubt because mm. you know there's so many different parts of engineering so yeah i think that it needs to be broken down and clarified and, and maybe rebranded that's an interesting one because i know i know some we'll go back to back to universities because it's it's where i'm comfortable uh, but i know some universities offer offer a general engineering degree where you where you specialize um later on do you think that do you think more universities should offer that sorry alex what's that a, a, an engineering degree what? so they, they so i know oxbridge do it where you do go and do general engineering rather than specialising straight off the bat. So you go and do general engineering for two or three years and then in your final year you t- choose a specialist subject. So you come out with, uh, I don't know, an electrical engineering degree or a mechanical engineering degree. Do you think that mm. that's important? Um, Late specialisation? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think that it, it kind of breaks down the different areas of engineering and, and, and yeah, you, you, you definitely... 100% need that but I honestly think as well that um, placements are really important so you get to see what it's like in the real world because everyone's cocooned within their own environments and even lecturers like we've mentioned as well are teaching all the time but they're, they're, the longer they're in education everything in, in the real world is changing um, and, and you've got to try and keep up with that change and what's going on so I think that a combination of something like that but also being out in the in 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 placements is 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 really really important to, to to really get a feel if you like it and it's it's for you or not because at the end of the day you don't know if you like something until you're actually doing it in, in real life it's all or it's all good in theory and this that and the other and it might pay well but it's not just all about money either i think if you enjoy something then you'll you'll do well at it whatever that is so i think that uh, more practical experience would be great uh, more placements would be good um, and, and, and kind of even at school, from a school level that, that, you know, that if they can work with engineering companies so the kids can go into engineering companies and get to see, you know, one day they're going to a me- mechanical engineering workshop making Formula One parts, another day aerospace parts, another day they're going to a, an electrical manufacturing plant, another day they go and see how they, they fit boilers. But then they can say, well, I, I don't want to fit a boiler, but I really liked electrics and I really liked making them parts. But... Until they actually get that real life experience, they're kind of guessing, aren't they? You know, they don't know. It's like, well, you know, I've done the theory, but I, I, will I enjoy it when I put it into practice? I don't know. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of for me. I think that that for me would be the the best way and the best route. And um, so it, it needs a combination of, of everything, really. Brilliant. We'll, we'll wind up. We've got two questions that we, we, we tend to ask at the end of our podcasts. Um, the first one being is, 
what bit of advice would you give to a little Giovanni or or we can give what advice would you give to your kids um you know seven seven four and one did you say seven five and one yeah seven five and one yeah yeah um I, I think that yeah no advice really I think just follow your dreams and never stop believing no matter what really it it, it doesn't matter if you want to be an engineer or you want to be a scientist or you want to be a, a you know go to space i think always always believe and, and never have any doubt in yourself because the, the further the more you believe the further you'll go <laughs> uh, and don't have any restrictions in that belief um, and that's 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 the best advice i think i'd give to my kids if you were to do it all again giovanni go back to school would you still stick to the apprenticeship route would you go and become an architect? Would you go to university? Oh, I'd do it completely differently. <laughs> Knowing what I know now, goodness me, yeah, I'd do it completely differently. I mean, oh God, that this could be another podcast. <laughs> so that, that's a, yeah, it, this, that should have yeah. been our first. This should have been our first question. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, I'd have done it completely differently. I think that through the knowledge that I've got over the years, what what you get to know is is that you can really condense that time and get to where you need to get quicker and faster. Um, so through knowing what I'd know, I'd, I'd have definitely skipped a few things out and maybe done a bit more. It's, it's a big question to answer in a, in a, in a short period of time, but yeah, I, I did I, the, the only way I can answer is yes, Alex, I'd have definitely done things differently. Albeit I'm happy with how things have turned out as well. So it's, um, yeah. It's, it's a, poli- it's a politician's answer. <laughs> Would the outcome be the same or would you want another outcome? I don't know. I don't know is my honest answer. I think that um, I've got another business as well, you see, that I've, I've also got uh, another business that I'm, I'm working on, um, which is not in the engineering sector. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, in a, in a different world. Okay. I d- I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll come back to you on that one, Alex and uh, Nicoletta. Brilliant. Right, well then, I think that leaves us to wrap it up. Just say thank you very much, Giovanni. Um, It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engineering Stories podcast. We hope it's given you some insight into another area of engineering. If you're still here at this point, we must be doing something right. So stay tuned for the next guest. And in the meantime, share this episode with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe.